In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you for this evening. Goodness and mercy is following us. Amen. Has come with us this evening and is releasing that which is our portion to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, can you just open your eyes and greet somebody on your left and your right? There's somebody, you are blessed in the name of Jesus. Declare to the person you are blessed, you are wise. Wisdom is your portion. God has increased you. It's your season of fruitfulness in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's declare the word of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now you can take your seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles. Just just uh, summarize what we have been talking about for some time. Help being in the Word of God. That's what we've been looking at in our school of prayer. And I just want to kind of summarize that with um, something we have learned again and again, just to remind ourselves. The Lord Jesus taught us, remember one of our favorite scriptures in this um, school of prayer is from the book of Luke chapter 18. He said, men ought always to pray and not to faint and not to lose heart and not to grow weary. They ought always to pray. And persistent prayer is something I have been teaching here for some time. And the problem we often have in um, is how to say the prayer that is persistent. How do I say the same thing again and again? And I will not be praying in unbelief. Do you understand? I mean, we taught, we, we learned the principle of um, prayer of faith that you should just mention something to God once and that's it. And really, I still believe it. I believe that, you know, you cast your burdens upon the Lord. That is, you take the burden and throw them upon the Lord. Uh, we don't want to speak against um, the prayer of faith. We don't want to be like we are praying in unbelief. But how do we pray in faith when a matter is still in front of us, even though we have cast our burdens upon the Lord? Do you understand my point? How is it that you say, okay, I need a job I've been looking for for months, and um, they say, cast your burdens upon the Lord. I did that five months ago, but as that now, nothing really has come out. Am I supposed to not talk about it again uh, before the Lord? Those questions come to our minds again and again. And, uh, you know, after looking at the scriptures, and I found out that, yes, you can pray again and again without seeming to be asking God for the same thing. Actually, it doesn't even sound nice, really, with the Lord. It's okay, I asked you for this thing before. It looks like you didn't hear me that time. If, if you are experienced with praying, it doesn't, when you come to that point, it's as if you are doubting. It's as if you are not sure that the Lord heard you the first time. And my understanding now is that the reason why that's a problem is that we tend to pray our own prayers, and God doesn't want us praying our prayers. He wants us praying his word. Are you getting my point? Yes, when we pray our own prayers, it becomes a burden to keep on bringing the same matter to the Lord again and again. But if we are praying his word, it is never a problem. And that's why he said men ought always to pray and not to get tired. Our prayer is not what we want. It is what he wants. And he has spoken his word to us. So our duty, I just want to remind us of, of it again, is to lift up that word to him every time. If you lift his word to him, it is never repetition that is vain. Some time ago, we talked about vain repetition. Remember that. We explained the fact that some repetitions are vain. Uh, but Jesus, that's what he did. He was warning against. It wasn't repetition in itself, but repetitions that are vain. There are vain repetitions. Just repeating some things again and again can be vain. Bring the same matter to God again and again may be vain. All right? But when you lift up his word and you keep it on your lips, it cannot be vain. That's why God invented songs. Did I say invented? Designed songs for us to sing. That's why I put songs in our mouths. The concept is that we'll be saying the same thing again and again and not get tired. That's why you read the Psalm like 136. Half of it is pure repetition. You keep on hearing things like, um, for the Lord is good 
and his mercies endure forever. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. But the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You know, you keep on hearing that thing and you'll see something that is repeated. That, why is it not vain repetition? It's after it's repetition. Okay, something is not just vain because it is repetition. It has to be a kind of repetition that is wrong for it to be vain. You understand? When I'm saying, oh, praise the Lord, and I say it 20 times in a day, it is not vain. Do you follow? Now, if I say, God, do I need a job, I need a job, I need a job, it's vain. I'm lifting up my needs. It is vain. What we talk about, what we pray about all the time, can determine, actually show what we worship. You know, I've explained that before. That God said, don't worship. Now, I want to summarize what we read from Revelation chapter 4 and add it chapter 6 to 8. God was saying to us, don't worship your problems. All right? Worship the word. What you heard was the voice of God. You heard the word of God. So he said in that chapter 6, therefore talk about that continually. Many times we talk about our problems continually. And that's what the problem is. That's what the problem is. When we talk about our problems continually. Every time we get on our knees, we are talking about our problems. We think we are praying. Actually, we are are wearing down our faith. That's what we are doing. Every time you get on your knees, you are reminding God, I've come again. I have come. It is me. You know I've been sick for a long time. And you have not done anything about it. Lord, though, this suffering is too much. This year is my year of ending this suffering. This year is my year of ending this suffering. Then you come back the next week. Another interesting thing Christians do, when I start jumping from one program to another, listen, there is no solution in that. Going from one program to another. There is no solution in it. You see, uh, tonight is breakthrough night. You are there. Then the next day is breakthrough day. You are in that one too. It's breakthrough weekend. You have gone for that one. And you are just looking for breakthrough all over the place. You are not allowed to look for breakthrough everywhere. You are only allowed to look for the Lord everywhere. Are you getting my point? That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You, you can only go around looking for the Lord. You can't be going around looking for breakthrough. It is displeasing to the Lord. It's displeasing to him. He doesn't like it. You know, when the angel says, she's here. Say who? Say the same person. The other one, you know, the angels, they now know you. <laughs> it's not good. You know, sometimes Christians, they're always looking for a miracle. You know, my mother is not around, so I can say this, okay? One day I went for a program. I got, um, um, was a Maurice Cerullo school. I think the man himself was going to come, but I think he had not come that day. But his assistant, they were preaching and all of that. So the man began to pray for the sick and who were giving testimony. So I came back home late. This was, my mother was visiting in Lagos. Okay. So I came back home late. You know, actually it was my auntie's place. So I came, ah, where are you coming from? I said, I went to church. So and I said, ah, that's kind of the kind of signs and wonders happening in that program. Hey, he said, come and take me there. So I'm like, what is your problem? Do you have a problem? You know, <laughs> that day. I feel like, you know, I was, you know, somebody wants to go for a program. You know, you feel excited. But that one, I was just upset. What is the problem? You are here sitting down reading. You don't, suddenly I told that there's signs and wonders. You want to jump up to go and pray for what now? That was my mother, so don't tell her I told you. I didn't remember that day. I was just upset. Well, if I say, that man is sharing good revelation, you know, most people won't get up. So, man, that, that guy explained Psalm, Psalm 16. I've never seen it like that before. And tomorrow he says he's going to Psalm 17. Most human beings won't do <laughs> Nobody will remember. They just say, say, oh, that's good. Okay, that's it. Nothing. But actually, God prefers it. In fact, what he wants is that when the man explains Psalm 16 today and tomorrow is going to 17, the place should be jammed. And when the man wants to go, they say, you can't go until you have explained Psalm 18. You see protest outside. We want Psalm 19 too. That is what the Lord wants. Are you getting my point? Yeah, that's already that's what he wants. That's what he wants us to seek after. And he says, when you are doing that, hmm, all other things shall be what? Added. All other things shall be what? added. As you are seeking him like that, he starts adding other things. That's what he does. And that's what he expects. He doesn't want our problems to be the focus of our prayers. When it's like that, at the end of the day, what we end up doing without realizing it is worshipping those problems. That's what we end up doing. That's what we end up doing. Is looking for people that will just take their eyes away. Yeah, pray about it. You know, It's not as if we don't pray about it. Paul said, be careful for nothing. But with, with prayer and, and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God. Then God will not give you the answer. 
Is that what he said? What did he say? That the peace of God, that passes all understanding, which shows something there, that is the disturbance of the soul, is what the major problem is. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That the major issue is that soul disturbance that comes because of that lack. That's the major problem. And that's why God solves that one first. So when we cast our bodies upon him like that, what he gives us, first of all, is the peace of God that passes all understanding. That is the first thing he gives us. That tells me that what he wants is that peace. Now, I've been saying something for the last time, um, few meetings here on the, in the school of prayer. That one prayer is just prayer. Say, Lord, I just want to be happy. And that joy, you've heard this thing before. There's a difference between joy and happiness. You've heard it before. Please don't believe it. All right? <laughs> just forget it. We just come up as Pentecostals and manufacture things. Our own language. Joy and happiness, they are the same thing. It's English language. It's not Bible. Like, okay, have you ever seen, the Bible says that there's a difference between joy and happiness. We created that. If you read Good News Bible, it tell you happy are those. Instead of blessed, you say happy. So let's forget that thing. I, don't worry, I used to preach it. They say joy is from inside and happiness is from the things outside. That is manufacture. <laughs> are you getting my point? We created that one. I'm not saying it's horrible, but it's, it confuses us when it comes to the scriptures. The Bible doesn't talk like that. You, know, you see that people say that joy can only come from uh, inside and not, nothing outside affects it. No. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive and your joy will be what? Full. So when God answers your prayers, it fills your joy. Do you follow? And if you go and read a good news, a good news Bible, like I said, and many other translations, when you say, blessed is the man, he will tell you, happy is the man. You will say, happy is the man. So please, now don't let anybody deceive you, all right, that joy is in your heart when there's no smile on your face. That's a lie. I don't know whether you get my point. That's, what, that's where I'm going with all of these things. It is not possible for you to have joy in your heart and there's no smile on your face. It's not possible. Don't, you know, people say that, you know, this one is inside, this one is outside. Listen, if joy is inside, which I agree with, it comes out and shows up outside. And both joy and happiness, they mean the same thing. The difference is where you derive them from. If you derive your joy or your happiness from material things, that's where the problem is. But if your joy is in the Lord, that is when it is constant. Are you getting my point? You know, that, so let's just get our technologies right. As believers, we must make sure that our joy is in the Lord. Is in the Lord. So like I was saying, you see what, from what Paul was saying, Paul was emphasizing to us, therefore, when he says that um, the peace of God that passes all understanding, what he was saying is that what, when people have um, issues, when they have disturbances in their minds, the peace of God is taken away from them. So when they cast those things upon the Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding is restored to them. Which means, and like I said the other day, our last meeting, I said that when, when the Lord says to us, fear not, it is because, it's not, it's not just friendly counsel. It's, what he's saying is that if you, if you allow fear to stay in your heart, if you allow fear to stay in your life, what God wants to do will not be done. That's why when he encounters somebody, the first thing he says is, do not be afraid. If you continue in fear, he will walk away. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Yes, so the disturbance of soul that problems in life brings to people, that the first things we are supposed to fight, that the first things we are supposed to fight. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, I'm telling the story of Ziglag. All right? That's in First Samuel chapter 30. You know, he got there. There was trouble everywhere. They had raided, taking his wives, taking his children, taking the, the, these men's wives. The enemy had come and plundered the whole place. And people felt so bad that even those men thought of stoning David. I don't know how they used to behave like that anyway. But they actually thought of stoning David. They did. And the Bible says that what did David do? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That was what he had to do. But what I want to bring out is that he had to first encourage himself. When everybody had left him, he had to go inside and bring encouragement for himself from the Lord. Now, it was then that he could now pray. It was then that he could now settle down and say, what am I supposed to do next? That was when he began to pray. Shall I pursue them? Shall I go after them? Will I overtake them? Will you deliver them into my hands? And they brought him there for He asked those questions and he got the answers. And then he went after those people. He pursued them. He caught up with them. 
he overtook them, he plundered them, returned, and got everything they took from him back. Now, the first thing he did was to what? Encourage himself in the Lord is God. That tells you something. That the primary thing that Satan uses against us is that this, you know, disarrangement of the soul. Is that fear inside the heart? Is that unsettlement inside our hearts? That's what he uses to plunder us continually. You know, like my wife and I will say that what happens in the house usually is not the problem. It's the reaction to it. Do you get what I'm saying? It's the reaction to it. But if as believers we continually say to ourselves, all things work together for good. Something wrong happens, well, first tell yourself, all things work together for good. And you settle down and quieten your soul. You bring up forth your joy in the Lord. Listen to this. I'm about to make a statement. There is nothing, there is nothing, no matter how bad it appears, that will not turn around for good eventually. Listen, let me say it again. There is nothing, no matter how bad it appears, if you follow these things I've said, you encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You ensure that your soul is not troubled. Listen, it's important. Let not your heart be troubled. I said something last time, when people's hearts are troubled, they make stupid decisions. They make stupid decisions. That is, you'll be wondering, is this man all right? Is this woman all right? The reason is because the heart is what? Is troubled. When the heart is troubled, we can't think straight. When the heart is troubled, we will not know what to do. We will make, look, you will see one plus one, you will say it's 15. When the heart is troubled, it's important. So when things happen, we must make sure that the heart is quieting down. Like I was saying, if you do this, quieten your soul, bring forth your joy in the Lord. The word of the Lord that says all things work together for good, for them that love God and are called according to his purpose, it will always come to pass in your life. That no matter how bad something appears, listen to me, it will turn out for tangible good. You know what I call tangible good? There's good, you just believe that yes, it's good. Now only you know say good. You understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> but I'm talking about beyond that good that only you knows. You are talking about the good that it will be clear that this is good. That if you get to a point and people will start wishing for trouble. That, ah, that this trouble is good. Though. That this trouble is good. That this man was not like this until he had trouble. Do you follow my point? It's important. It's important. That's why the Lord will come to us again and again. He said, don't be afraid. It's, a, it's an important prayer. You know, I said it the other day. I'm saying this is the third time I'm saying it. You need to pray. Say, God, I just want to be happy. And not this kind of a Lord, just give me money so I can be happy. That's crazy prayer. Are you getting my point? That is, I'm saying, Lord, despite the lack, I want joy in my heart. I know God fills people with joy. Just, you just you all wake up in the morning, you don't know why you are happy. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. You just be happy. People will be wondering, you know, to get to people will be wondering, is your head correct? Let me say it again. Once it gets to that level, people are wondering, is your head correct? You are close to breathing. <laughs> in fact, let's say like you don't make them. When it starts looking, like everybody starts wondering, why is he happy? What is happening? Not, nothing has changed the last few days. And listen, that thing is a spiritual trait. You know, there's a spirit, you know what the Bible calls the spirit of heaviness? Yes, the spirit of heaviness. Now, the spirit you have in that light, you know, spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy, you know, the spirit of gladness, stuff like that, you know, it determines how you see things. Do you know what I said? Yes. You will see something that somebody else will see who has the spirit of joy and think is nothing. If you have the spirit of heaviness, it will make you cry. Doctors call it depression. Somebody has a depressed affect. What I want to say is that how you react to things around you is not really, first of all, about those things. It's about what is inside you, the spirit you have. If you have the spirit of joy, believe me, you know, sometimes when I say, I was telling you earlier, many times people make decisions, I'll be wondering. They say, eh, eh, I've seen people. <laughs> the Lord is good. People just get up, pack, they are lewd. This man has a good business, a good job, whatever it is, in the country. Then he gets up, and then he starts packing his bag. Where are you going to tell you he's going to North America? Or he's going somewhere in Europe? What are you going to do there? No plan yet. He's not sure. He's even traveling on a visiting visa, which means for some time he's going to be an illegal immigrant. Why are you doing this? He starts telling you about the future. I don't know whether you get my point. He starts telling you about the future. And you start wondering, 
What future are we talking about? Uh, the way the country is going. I know if you're like me, you, you look around, the way the country is going. Do you know the way the country is going? I'll tell you. Israel and I were coming back, um, Israel and Dukkha and I were coming back from um, Makode on Sunday. And we're just looking at and talking about Enugu. I came to Enugu 17, 17 years ago, year 2000. Yeah, about 17 years ago now. All right? So we're now describing Enugu. Then when we were going to Nikki Lake Hotel, we used to drive in the bush for some time before we get to the turn off into the hotel. Will you believe that now? Will you, you wouldn't believe that now. That time, this road you are seeing here was a single lane road. That was bad. When they were dualizing this place, they threatened to pour, to tip sand on my car because we parked down there and came up here to study scriptures. And the men came to work. They, didn't, they couldn't find the owner of the car. This dualized road now. It wasn't even, they were even dualizing. Yes, okay. No, it wasn't even dualizing initially. Then we were doing some work there. Enugu was like that. Tinker's Corner. If you bought land in Tinker's Corner, you were investing in the future. This same, can, can you believe that? I don't need to tell you. So, some of us don't even know the valley that that um, new market used to be. Some people don't know that it used to be a valley. That the Lord wrote Isaiah chapter 40 because of that place. <laughs> it wasn't just a valley to just go through smoothly. It's a valley you navigate like this. Horrible potholes. But now just go there. Vroom, you go in and out. Isaiah chapter 40 has been fulfilled. The glory of the Lord has been revealed. You know, I, I look at it. You understand? Israel now analyzing that day. It's as if Enugu has doubled in size. And is that, no one they say there's no money, there's no money. You say not in Enugu. Maybe there's no money in Lagos, I don't know. Maybe there's no money in Back Lake, I don't know. But the way they are developing, heading towards Ituku, from, from uh, NMPC, the houses are growing as if it's termites that are building them and ants. You know the way ants, termites, and birds build? Just a few years ago, that, that place, land was 100,000 naira. Now it's 20 million naira. That zone. 100,000, now it's 20 million. Now people tell me the future. I say, if this is the Enugu I live in, let's talk on a natural plane. The future is bright. You know, because we are plotting by what you can see. We are stupid. We don't know what we are saying. We are just plotting by what we can what? See. We don't have revelation. We are earthly minded. Based on what we can see physically, believe me, the future is bright. Now, we are not hoping on it as believers. That's why I said what I said. Yet, in the midst of this, somebody will get up and say, he doesn't know what the future, what the country, what future is there for this, our country. Why is it doing that? I'll tell you. He has a spirit of heaviness. He can't interpret things anymore. Is he wrong and I'm right? Let's not talk about that. We have different spirits. What we will experience is what our spirit is producing. I don't know whether you are following what I'm going to explain. Sometimes he will make decisions. And I see them again and again. Then when he gets to where he's going, he's on one spot for five years. You know, where he's coming from, he was moving on a daily basis. People talk about, hey, what's future for the country? <laughs> that one day I went, we were coming from somewhere, I went to Akure. Now, I, I, I knew Akure very well. I knew the place well. I thought. I did my house job just 45 kilometers away in Adoekiti. That's in Ekiti State now. Then they were just one state. So Yinka and I were coming back from Ondo when to preach. So my mom wanted to come to Enugu, so I told her, wait, we'll come, pass through Akure, pass through Awa, and pick her up. All right? So to come from Ondo, you have to pass through Akure. Oh boy, I reached Akure, I got lost. Just like Enugu, the town had doubled in size. The roads had doubled in size. You no, know, they had dualized everywhere. Ah. So I used to say, we just pass here. I got there, I was lost. You know, houses you could recognize. Maybe they had broken them down and built new ones. So after driving around and around, I said, pack. Let us ask for direction. Now I found one organizer, so I beg. We are trying to get to the express road that goes to, you know, the Zilesha Benin Express. We are trying to connect that one. 
Oh, ah, you have missed your turn. Turn around like this and go this way. Finally, when we exited, I said, what? Who will have, that's my home state. Who will have believed I didn't know my way around it anymore? And people keep opening their mouth and telling you that if they don't know the future of the country has. Let me tell you what happened. In the future, we'll be further than Dubai. Say me like you are here. Amen. Now, I've just spoken on the natural plane. I've not even spoken spiritually yet. If things go the way they've been going, listen, it's what you are looking at you will see. Are you getting my point? If you keep on looking for what is wrong, you will find it. Huh. The Enugu we have now, eh? Hey, who, who was old enough to know Enugu of 17 years ago? And you could appreciate it. Can you compare it to the one of today? Forget. Now, my friends, when they come visiting, they will look and say, wow, this your city is fine. I said, what do you think we've been doing here? We've been prophesying to it. Yeah, somebody will look at all of this and tell you that it doesn't know what the future holds. That is the, that's why God said to us, listen, don't be afraid. That's why the Lord said it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Because when you, your heart is troubled, you will make wrong decisions. You will make wrong decisions. That's why God used to tell people, don't be afraid. You will judge wrongly. God will open a door for you. Fear will not let you enter. You will see the door. Clear door. Yet, fear will not let you enter. Fear will not let... Look, the door is clear. It's God that opened it to. But fear will not let you enter. And you can't help it. That's just the way it is. If your heart is troubled, God will give prepare a table before you. You know what will happen? You will sit on the floor and you will be complaining of hunger. The Lord has prepared a table before you. But you will sit on the floor and say, My enemies... They don't want me to eat. They've taken away my food. They said there will be no table in my life. You'll be looking, and then you know what happened? The enemies will now rise up and do it like this. You know why they're doing that? Who can guess what? Why? To attract you and distract you. You, you understand what I mean by that? But they attract your attention and distract you from the table that the Lord has prepared. That's how it works. That's what they do. That's the job of Satan. After that, Satan himself looks, sometimes he looks, he and his demons say, what do we do? He said, we know two Christians that like to pray about us. So they come, the people are sleeping, they just jump to their dream. <laughs> just jump to their dream, scare them. And then one will wake up, wake the husband up, honey, honey, wake up, wake up. What is it? They have come, they have come. Who? Oh, what is the time? 2 a.m. That's when the money comes. Let us pray. <laughs> and the prayers will start. You know, <laughs> I stumbled on one website yesterday. I had a good laugh. Yesterday, I st- something led to it. I don't know. It's where I arrived at the place. I was alone in the office. I had a very good I was laughing. One guy was saying that, look, all these titan gist and first fruit, all ahead. so that was the discussion that was on. So somebody now brought my name that, look, they should go and listen to one preacher that knows what he say. That I'm the one, you know. So they were talking about, listen to Pastor Banky, you know. So they, in fact, the fellow copied and pasted some things I wrote on first fruits and tithing and all of that. So the guy said, so two of them were now chatting. One said, I like the guy a lot. They're talking about me now. So I like him a lot. The only thing that I disagree with him on in some areas. One said, so he said, he's too soft on village enemies. <laughs> Did you hear that? That the only problem he has with me <laughs> is I'm too soft on all this uh, house. <laughs> oh God. Now you see why I was laughing. You see the way you laughed. I laughed. I laughed. That one, the other fellow now to answer this demand, the other fellow said, No, that you don't listen to him enough. If you listened enough, you would have understood what he was saying. That what he was saying is that as a child of God, Satan doesn't have any power over their life, and I agree with him. You know, I said, there's another area where I disagree with him, Sha. So, they, you know, I, I was reading people talking about me. So nice people talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it was so funny. The other guy's issue is that, that uh, I, I don't listen to prophets that I don't trust. I said, oh, should, should I listen to a prophet I don't trust? <laughs> That I only take prophecies seriously if it comes from Ken Hagen and other prophets that I trust. I, want, I wish I had the guys now. I want to come and say, oh boy, you mean you listen to prophets you don't trust? <laughs> or you don't know there's what they call false prophets? 
yesterday I had them. I was just there in my office. I was just laughing to myself. I was laughing and laughing. You know, it just felt good being talked about, you know? Apostle, it felt very good, actually. <laughs> the Lord is good. You know, why I refer to it is that I said, look, but there, of course, that guy told you that, listen, listen well enough. You know what the man is saying, that these people can't do anything to you. And that's a matter of fact. They can't do anything to you. But you see, what they don't realize is that when you think they can do something to you, they give you work. Satan knows what you are thinking. He now gives you work. He now comes to be scaring you. And the problem is that, now this is what I want to say. Many people who are praying those prayers, they are missing their opportunities every day. They are. They are so busy every day praying about enemies. It's distracting them. God opens doors. They don't notice. The doors will close again. They don't open it again. They are so busy praying. I mean, you see, look. They have, you know, wedding. You know, wedding. After wedding, they receive gifts. People receive gifts. And they start prayer point on the gifts. Why? Because people could have uh, Listen, unless you put a life serpent inside my wedding gift, in which case, if it comes out, I kill it and throw it away. I've, I've never prayed. Do you know? I wedded too. So I didn't we get gifts? Plenty of gifts. You know, I can't remember I was sitting down to pray by it. Say, I, I give thanks for everything, of course. You understand? If you give me something, I thank God for it. I bless you. So that's all I did. But I spare anything they put inside. Anything they put inside. It will not harm me in the name of Jesus. Really? You know the truth? I'm the one that has a mental and spiritual problem if I pray like that. I don't pray such prayers. I don't. When we are so focused on things like that, you know what happens? We miss opportunities. There are distractions. That's I, I don't understand. I don't pray such prayers. I don't. Do you know it has never crossed my mind? We know we travel a lot. And we bless our journey all the time. We, we declare the word over it as we travel. We receive safety, all of that. You know? In fact, usually, we pray, you know, co-workers pray on Saturdays. All right? Then those of us that go to Makkot, we pray before the co-workers' prayers. Then that's the only prayer we pray for the whole week. We pray on Saturday. Sunday morning we travel. Many times during the week we travel. It has never crossed our mind. Israel, have you noticed? And we leave here by 5.30 a.m. 5.30 a.m. we are here the Abuja Road. Do you know, it's not that we are talking about it that I just realized that we have never joined us inside the car. To bind any demon that's on the road. Look, demon on the road, we have where we are going. Better go and still. <laughs> it has never. It is now that I'm talking about it that I'm realizing that we don't do it. And we hit the road early in the morning. Very early. We've, I mean, we are going to preach by 10 o'clock. Four hours journey. You understand what I'm trying to say? In fact, this is because of the bad road. It takes longer than four hours. So we live very, very, very early and we're on the, we're on the road. We are going. It has, it's not that I'm saying I realize that we don't join us in the car and say every spirit on the road, the spirit that tumble cars and settle cars and the spirit that leaks blood at every junction, we bind you by fire by fire. We bind you. We cast you down. It has never. It's now that I'm saying it, it's striking me that the people I travel with don't pray. <laughs> We just enter the car. Usually three of us. You know, we are six total that go, but each time we are like three. You understand? Just say, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Off, we go. Start racing to catch a church service. Are there witches on the road? Actually, there are. But those ones, when we are passing, they go on break. They return when fearful and wicked people are passing. But when we are reaching there, no, they go somewhere else. And they know, they know, they know we know. But we don't spare them any thought. Are they there? Mm-hmm. Are there witches on the road to Makkot? Mm-hmm. I've also, have you seen them before? <laughs> Sometimes we won't stop and buy yam and eat and forget to cast out demons from the yam. Just collect the yam. Father, we thank you for this yam that's roasted. No salt, no pepper. We give. <laughs> no, really. When you are focused on these village things, all these things, the truth, the truth is that when your heart is troubled, those prayers are kind of not effective. You know, the other day I told my wife, my wife and I, we conspired against my mother. 
So I, I told my wife, call your mother-in-law. Tell her that your husband just came back from Makodi. So she called, ah, mommy, how a long time? So, of course, naturally, she, she asked, how's your husband? Ah, he's fine. He just came back from Makodi. That's my mother shouted, ah! Yes, the daddy went to Port Harcourt, and he's going to Lagos next week. I, said, I told my wife, good, co- continue. <laughs> so she was telling my husband everything. He travels a lot, though. He doesn't stay in one place. He did, my mother didn't know it was conspiracy. And I said, I said, mommy, get used to it. That's what my wife told my mother. I said, get used to it. He's not going to stop. Your son is a traveling preacher. He travels a lot. So better stop worrying and just get used to the fact that this guy is not going to stop traveling. He will never stop. So at the part I forgot to tell you is that you should have told her that I'm the one she should be worried, not you. You old woman. Me, I'm a young woman. I need my husband. That's the part she forgot. Oh, maybe, maybe you should call her this evening and tell her that part. <laughs> <laughs> what am I pre- preaching about? Jesus said, let not your heart be what? Troubled. My wife sat down and explained to my mother, there's no need. Don't let your heart be troubled. Said, the only thing you can continue to do is to keep on praying for him. And when you finish praying, believe God for him. Are you getting my point? Not pray and be worried. Thereby canceling all the prayers you have prayed. Don't let your heart be troubled. Satan many times, he knows he can't do anything to believers. He does. He knows that. He knows as a matter of fact. So what does he do? He says, what do... Listen, let me just say something to you. Satan has... He understands spiritual principles. He, he, he understands... The, uh, he, uh, he understands a lot. He does. So what he does to Christians is to engineer somebody against himself. Against herself. This is what I mean. He came to, let's, uh, let's call Balaam, Satan now. Understand? Balaam was working with Satan at that point in time. They wanted to curse the people of Israel. You know, Balaam told Balak, it won't work. Balak said, you don't want to come. Balak went and doubled the money. When they came, ah, Balaam looked and said, this money is good though. Let me go and see whether the Lord will let me go. You know the rest of the story. The Lord allowed him to go. He got there and he told Balak, See, my understanding of spiritual things is that this will not work. Balaam said, Balak said, I paid you. Don't worry. Just do your job. It's all right. Let's make an altar. They made the altars. They sacrificed seven bulls, seven goats, you know. And then the Spirit of God came upon Balaam. And he began to do what was right. And God, Moses spoke. God was speaking through Moses. Say, Balak wanted to curse you. I turned the curse into a blessing. And that's what happened. That's just, that's just the way it works. And Satan knows all of these things. They went... Made other altars. That's why I told you, don't worry yourself about altar versus altar. Forget the young man who said I'm too soft on village enemies. My reason is because I know what Balaam knew that time. There's no enchantment against Jacob. Balaam said it. No divination against Israel. So there's nothing. God has blessed them. God has covered them with the shed blood of the atonement. So there's no trouble. So he tried the second time. Balaam got angry. So you, I said you should come and curse people. You have been blessing them. So they scattered the whole deal. But what the Bible did not record there was recorded later for us in the New Testament. Was that Balaam now called Balak aside and said the only way you can get these people is to engineer them against themselves. He said, what do we do? Listen, make them sin against their God. So what, what did they do? He said, organize parties. Get all the fine girls in town. Let them wear their short skirts, their torn jeans. <laughs> Do whatever they need to do to attract these boys to come. They will come. They're not coming from Egypt. And the boys foolishly went. And that was when Satan could get at them. Now, I've told that story to let you know that Satan knows this. That's the only thing he does. He has to engineer Christians against himself or herself. He has to. So what he does is, I say, listen, I can't do anything to no, attack and overcome these people. What do I do? So you go to each person and say, what is fellow's weakness? Scare him small. Let him start reading newspapers. Join one WhatsApp group where everybody scares people. You wake up, you open your chat, and you start reading, hey, Boko Haram bomb somewhere. Hey, we're all dead in this country. Hey, sit and say, read, read, read. <laughs> then you start reading, hey, they shot somebody in the Hey, in Enugu, a church collapse. Hey, Benue State, the river Benue overflowed, uh, 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 what they call it, overflowed the banks. Yay. 
You are dead. Hey, am I dead? I think so. Oh. <laughs> so once you start like that, Satan will come and bring you all kinds of news. You know what he's doing? He said, let not your heart be troubled. So he's giving the opposite. He's causing your heart to be what? Troubled. That's, you see, he knows. That's the only thing he's doing. So he has to cause your heart to be troubled. That's the only thing he can do. He has to cause your heart to be troubled. And that's why you have to fight that thing. Fight it, fight it. That's why Paul said, hey, wait, 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 wait. If there's anything on your mind, you need something. Quickly throw it over to God so that the peace of God that passes all understanding, that you won't know why you're just at peace. Because if your heart is troubled, what God wants to do, you listen, he will not do it because you won't allow him to do it. That's why the Lord used to meet people all the time and the first thing he would tell them is don't be afraid. Jesus had to say categorically to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Listen to me. The things happening around the town, that's what they are trying to do. That is the spiritual angle of it. He wants your heart to be troubled. He wants your heart to be troubled. So you have to fight it. When Hagar took her son out after... Abraham let them go. She sat there in a place. An angel came to her, told her, relax, don't be afraid. As soon as she relaxed and stopped being afraid, she stopped crying. Then she saw a well of water just nearby. Now, did they dig that well? I really don't think so. I think the Lord who told Abraham to let her go. Because, you see, the Lord had told Abraham, this boy will also be a great nation. Kings will come out of him. The Lord knew the boy wouldn't die. So when he let her go, that is with the little boy Ishmael, the Holy Spirit was guiding her. You know, um, Abraham had given her just enough supply to last like a day, water and food. So the Holy Spirit guided her to where there was plenty of water. But she was so troubled and afraid and confused that she did not notice. When God calmed her down, now that's my understanding of it, that was when she was able to see the opportunity. I knew a man in Lagos then, for more than eight years at least, he was sitting down there every day looking for visas, for a visa to the UK. And after some time, he wake up, you know, he wake up in the morning, dress up, go to his friend's house to go and watch television. Wake up in the morning, dress up, and just leave the house. People don't know, he didn't used to go anywhere. He was waiting for a visa to go to the UK. And all the years that I knew him, did not get that visa to go anywhere. In that interval, many of the businesses you know today, they were starting. Are you getting my point? What am I bringing down here? Opportunities will have come to him. But he will tell you, nothing works in this country. You've heard that thing before. Nothing works in this country. Let me just tell you, it's a lie. What did I say? Somebody will tell you, he knows businesses that collapse. Do you know the truth? The fact, you know, the figures I give you all the time, the American figures that tells you that nine out of ten businesses collapse within the first five years. It's not a Nigerian figure. So in the America you are going to, businesses also collapse. When I say 99% collapse in ten years, that's an American figure, not a Nigerian figure. So where you are going to, businesses also collapse. I say it all the time. It's not because we are just trying to psych ourselves. It's a matter of fact. There is no safety anywhere. One of our brothers in Bonny Island, he said when militants were bombing, you know, pipelines and fighting th- that time, a lot of his colleagues there, they took their children to Abuja. Wife and children ran to Abuja. But he just calmed his head down and relaxed. And by the time, <laughs> by the time militancy went down in Niger Delta, Boko Haram began in Abuja. Of course, police headquarters was bombed. Madala bombing. Motor park, church, different places. So those people say, hey, what do we do? We took our children from here. Now where we kept them, trouble has gone to meet them there. In this your life, don't let Satan be sending you up and down. Don't let Satan be sending you up and down. You hear something is booming somewhere, you have packed, you have gone. That's why I said at the beginning, what God expects is for us to be seeking God everywhere. Not seeking comfort, not seeking security. Safety is of the Lord. What am I preaching today? Don't let your heart be what? Troubled. It's crucial. Your heart must not be allowed to be troubled. 
if your heart is troubled, you will make wrong decisions. You will marry the wrong man. You will see Jezebel like this. You will propose to her, chase her, and marry her. And you can see clearly this girl is going to destroy your life. I'm telling you. In fact, she will even introduce herself to you. Hello, my name is Jezebel. Go and ask her what I can do. I did so much bad, they named prophets after me in Revelation. Jesus called people, bad people by my name. He said, just marry me. I need to make money. I hear that you're a British citizen. If you just marry me, both of us go hammer. Listen, that's what happens when people's minds are troubled. They can't, they, they can't, look, you will see good business, you know? Which word am I looking for? Idea, thank you, sir. With money coming with it to start it. With location properly located. Customers waiting to patronize. They will say, I say next thing you say, I want to go and pray. When people say, you have to say he's a good Christian, no, he's a fearful Christian. Now fear. And as you are praying, so Lord, speak. Lord, speak. You just hear, my son, if you go into that business, Omo, Yahweh will cast you. <laughs> you come back and say, the Lord said I should not do it. <laughs> and say, that was it. <laughs> now, wow. He said, give one angel a word, uh, one spirit a word for mimicking the name of the Lord, the voice of the Lord very well for you. As if somebody would tell Satan, I didn't even do much. You know, I'm not good with this voice thing. Say, <laughs> so, but he believed this. He, he wanted to believe. It is his fear. And he'll be saying, now look, I wanted to do that, but God said I shouldn't do it. God said I shouldn't do it. There's somebody who didn't pray. He just got there. But because he has a spirit of, you know, joy, gladness, open door. Say, let's pray. Say, no, the door is too open. This must be God. <laughs> say, let us pray. And I say, oh, well, we prayed last week. Did you not? We prayed last year. God is answering prayer. We'll still be praying. It's like students who be, you know, students do something once in a while. Main lecture, they wrote when they're writing. They go to read, they summarize. Then you come for revision, they are still writing. I say, what are you writing again? It's not revision. They do some, that is, this is one hour before the exam. They are still summarizing the summary. <laughs> In the same manner, some people are still praying when the answer has come. Ron Kennelly said, when Domwe walked up to him, I keep on saying that, I don't know whether it's, whether it's Zali Domwe or the other guy, one of the two of them. What's the name of the other guy? In Hosanna Music. Executive directors. Domwe and um, Michael Coleman. Now, I can't remember what I, said, I keep on saying that. I never could find out which who was with, but he told us that. Day. He said, let's just as it was done. He said, when Domwe walked to him and said, give him his card. I'm so sorry, I'm so pressing. I'm an executive director with Hosanna Music. I wanted to pray about recording an album with us. <laughs> Ron Kennedy said, I didn't have to pray. In summary, I've prayed the prayer before. This is the answer. They don't pray about answers. I'm collecting the answer. So somebody has been rushing there, and years later, you see the progress. But when your eyes are clear, you now say, ah, that was supposed to be mine. But why did he say, God didn't want me to have it? No, 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 no. What we call God a lot of times. Listen, what we call God a lot of times is nothing but our fears manifested. That's it. Nothing but our fears manifested. Fear controls people. Their hearts are troubled. They make wrong decisions. God sends them breakthrough. They close the doors by themselves. God sends another door. They close it again. He sends a third door. They close it again. Why? The hearts are what? Troubled. And the duty of Satan, I'm saying again, is to scare people. All the news. You know what Jesus said? Anytime you hear news, there are two ways to re- respond. There's a common way by which people respond. And what is that common way? The heart of men fail them. When they see things. That's a common way the Lord Jesus said. He said, but you, when you see bad things like that happen, he said, raise your shoulders, straighten up. Start looking. Start looking out. There's a window of opportunity somewhere. That's what he said. He said, your redemption actually draws near. So when you hear that, like we heard that time, that dollar kept on becoming more expensive, instead of getting up and saying, 
Is this the change we voted, we voted for? Why just came like that? And, and, and even, you know, people actually opened their mouth and insulted God. You know, they said, did you hear that? Bring back our corruption. People actually opened their mouths and made such statements. Bring back our corruption. <laughs> no, every day I know why God used to kill people. You know, God just took Saul and destroyed him. I know why. Look at the whole nation. He tell Israel, get there, kill man, woman, old, young, anything you find moving, kill. You know, I used to wonder, ha, ah, Lord, we, t- we trust your wisdom, but why? But it's now I realize, as a person, I say, now, wow, God is long-suffering. Can you see the way human beings behave? Even you, we kill them, rewind their past life, kill them before. I don't know whether I get my point. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. People actually opened their mouths in this country and said, bring back our corruption. Than the days of corruption, things were better than this. Yeah, even pastors said this. They just just wanted to paint this current of the state like an evil person. Facts staring you in the face, you don't look at it. The facts were clear. The facts were clear. Under your so-called corruption days, uh, petroleum was how much? Let's just say, let just to make it easy, hundred dollars a barrel. When you were saying bring up our corruption, it was twenty something dollars a barrel, and it looked like it's, we are making one, um, how much? Twenty five percent what we used to make, right? But that's not what happened. People don't realize it. The cost of production for Nigeria is close to twenty dollars. So when you are selling at twenty five, you are making what? Five dollars a barrel. When you are selling at hundred, you are making. $80 a barrel. So look at it. It's from $80 to $5. That's how much it shrank. Not by 75%, but by 90%. That's one calculation a lot of Nigerians don't know. So when you hear that fuel is $20 something a barrel, that means you're making next to nothing. And the same people opened their mouths and said, bring back our corruption. Well, what was God saying? In the midst of that, you should have been raising your shoulders. And looking, and looking. He said, there is a redemption for you somewhere. There is a redemption for you somewhere. Instead of joining people and saying, hey, what is wrong? Just say, ah, what's going on? They said, dollar is so, I mean, it used to be like one, between 120 to, it went to 150, 180, was when it began to climb. But generally, it used to hang around 150, 160. It didn't shot up to $300, uh, $300, $350. It hit 400 it crossed 400 Asked my wife, I did not whine one day. At the point that she was even asking me that what is going on? I said, Are you part of the people engineering this thing? The kind of joy in my face didn't disturb me. In fact, what I always to make me laugh, I said, <laughs> because I had one of my colleagues that had two sons, two of the children were going to school in the United States. Did you hear that? And we did the same work. So I told him, It is people like you that are in this country. I told him, I said, people like you are the ones who are in this country. You are exporting. I said, what, what, what are they studying? And he's a university lecturer in Nigeria. So I began to pray for all of them that their children will come home. When they will be complaining that, eh, hey, we can't want to send money to our children bro, we, have, we can't send. I said, then tell your children to come home now, come and eat. What is the problem? <laughs> people started regretting. Ah, I was very happy. People were regretting. Why did I send my children to school abroad? I said, hmm. Ask my wife, in the midst of it, I wasn't bothered. I was not bothered. The Lord is saying, at such times, what do you do? Rejoice. He says, straighten your shoulders. Look up. There is an opportunity hidden for you somewhere. You know, when SAP was sapping Nigerians, that one at least I remember very well. I was a young boy. SAP was in the 80s. Babangida came into power when? 85 thereabout. Yes. Introduced SAP gently around 86, 87. SAP came in. And then, oh, both of my parents were civil servants. And then, if you were any fixed salaries, or more, you were dead meat. 
You know what I'm trying to say? Things were rough. Things were rough. Now, that's not the story I want to tell. The story I want to tell is that, do you know, that was the first time an average Nigerian could actually become a millionaire. Because part of SAP rules was to break controls. You wanted to export. The SAP said, look, people should be able to export without making a lot of um, noise. You know, like, you should be able to export. You know, get export licenses. You wanted to import. You didn't need that import. You know, now, in Nigeria, you don't use import licenses for most things. Uh, if you want to buy your car, you just buy it and put it on the ship. You pay the duty here. Nobody asks you who gave it. Then, before then, you had to apply for an import license. There were people that their business was trading import licenses. They, they, they knew people in government. They would go, just go and get import license for, let's say, cars, as an example. But they don't have money for cow. You can't import anything. They now come and show you to you. They sell it to you. SAP said no. That's um, World Bank. IMF. They said no. You can't do that. So government had to break all those rules. Bank had to clear those things. That was when private banks began to open. A lot of them collapsed. A lot of them collapsed. But that was when banks like Guarantee Trust, they were set up. A lot of banks that time collapsed. But banks like GT Bank today, that was when they came on board. Because before that time, all you had in Nigeria were what? Government-owned banks. First Bank, New Nigerian Bank. They were either owned by this federal government or by state government, or by groups of states. Like in the West, we had Odua Group. Odua Group owned National Bank. You understand? Owena Bank was owned by Ondo State. They had things like, those are the only ones they had. But everybody come down to get, start their banks. That was when it began. What am I going to say? In the midst of that adversity, many people became millionaires. We'd, we remember Babangida for introducing SAP and wrecking a lot of people. But what we do, never, we don't ever be in mind that that was the first time. He was the first person that created many multi-millionaires in Nigeria. We remember SAP now. Useless program. SAP, he killed everybody. What you don't know. But SAP also liberated a lot of people. Private schools began to open all over the place. Because the government schools became very bad. Private schools had to open. And now... Private, especially primary schools, secondary schools, they are the end thing. People hardly now send, in fact, government can't even cope. One day, I did this one morning, I, I drove down New Haven in the morning when I saw children going to school. When I saw children going to school, the multitude of children, I didn't know who had that number of children. I began to thank God that they were private schools. I said, which government will provide school for all these people? Which government? Well, now, private schools, the in thing. Well, I'm going to look at something. That entrepreneurship spirit, that was the time it was actually unleashed in the country. Before that time, everybody killed for a job. I don't know whether you're following what I'm going to explain. In the midst of adversity, don't let your heart be troubled. There's an opportunity waiting to happen to you. Let's rise to our feet. Apostle, did we read anything? We did not read it. I had two powerful scriptures to start with, too. Isaiah 55 and um, Joshua chapter what now? Okay, I don't know what happened. I wanted to talk about um, prayer that's not vain. Remember that? Repetition. I wanted to read that story of I again. But it is good. I hope you are blessed, yeah? If you are blessed, say amen. amen. So even though I did what I did, you are still blessed. Look, that's why we keep coming back. If you preach everything one day, <laughs> eh? what will we now come back for next time? So the one we forgot today now, we use that one to start the next time. That's how this ministry keeps surviving. You know? <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's begin to give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. I, my eyes are lifted. My eyes are lifted. In the midst of adversity, my back is straight. My shoulders are lifted. I'm looking up. My redemption draws near. Now begin to pray that. It's very important. Say, Lord, I repent now of the gloom in my heart. I clean away discouragement, trouble in my soul. I reject it. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. I declare, my heart is not troubled. I, I think you should repeat those words to yourself. My heart is not troubled. You are speaking to your soul. My heart is not troubled. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Remember, it doesn't give counsel. It gives instructions. It gives commandments. So you say amen to that. My heart is not troubled. It's important. Say, my heart is not troubled. 
No matter what's going on in the country, my heart is not troubled. Whatever is, no matter what's going on in my body, my heart is not troubled. Whatever is going on around me, my relationship, my marriage, my heart is not troubled. Whatever is going on in my finances, my heart is not troubled. In the name of Jesus, my heart is not troubled. In the name of Jesus, my heart is not troubled. It's important to declare that. Declare that. My heart is not troubled. My heart. I reject trouble in my heart. My heart is not troubled. I cast my burdens upon the Lord. I cast my burden upon the Lord. My heart is not troubled. I cast my burden upon the Lord. I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, my heart is not troubled. It's important. I need you to take time out to pray like that. Oh, there are things that have been troubling your mind. Say, your heart is not troubled. Hmm. Declare the word of God. All things work together for me. All things work together for me. Therefore, my heart is not troubled. Yes, I lost something last week. I lost money last week. Somebody ran away with my money. But my heart is not troubled. My heart is not troubled. Declare it, my heart is not troubled. My heart is not troubled. Declare it, all things work together for me. All things are working together for me. Because I love the Lord. All things are working together for me. Even things that are negative. Even things that are negative. My heart is not troubled. Yeah, you should declare that my heart is not troubled. My heart is not troubled. According to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Say, I cast my burdens upon the Lord. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I let my request be made known to God. Right now, the peace of God that passes all understanding, I receive it. Take a minute, take a minute, and just not throw those things away to the Lord. Mention them specifically. Lord, my need in this area, I cast it upon you. I'm tired of praying about it every day. Now, I'm casting it. The prayer now is a cast, you know, a, a, a throwing away, a pushing away, a pushing away from my heart. Yes, I know. I have to pay rent before this time next week. Or pay fees before this time next week. Get this on before this time next week. Say, but my heart is not troubled. I cast it away. I cast it away. I'm going to sleep. Remember that prayer point I said? Nah, I said, Lord, fill my heart with joy. Fill my heart with joy. Say, Lord, fill my heart with joy. Fill my heart with peace. I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. My heart is not troubled. As, as the word of the Lord Jesus comes to me, the word of the Lord Jesus that has come to me says, let not your heart be troubled. And I say amen to that word. Therefore, I declare my heart is not troubled. But I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. I receive joy in the Lord. I receive joy in the Lord. Say it, I receive joy in the Lord. Remember, forget this thing and the difference between joy and happiness. Look, if you are joyful, you are happy. If you are happy, you are joyful. That's what I understand. The Bible doesn't even distinguish it. What am I going to say? Whether joy is coming from your heart or not, make sure it shows on your face. Don't say there's joy in my heart and there's no smile on your face. There's nothing like that. If there's joy in your heart, there should be dancing in your feet. Say, my heart is not troubled. Declare it, my heart is not troubled. Now begin to declare, my eyes are open. I can see my opportunities. Say it after me. Say in the name of Jesus. Jesus, My eyes are clear. clear. I can see my opportunities. opportunities. And I can take hold of them. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say I remove sorrow from my heart. I remove sorrow from my heart. I remove heaviness from my spirit. I take on the joy of the Lord. I take on the joy of the Lord. The spirit of gladness, the spirit of joy, the oil of gladness is upon my head. I have thrown away the garment of mourning. I have thrown away the spirit of heaviness. Say in the name of Jesus, I cast my cares upon the Lord. Say in the name of Jesus, all my cares I cast upon the Lord. Now say they say I receive from him. The peace that passes all understanding. I know all things work together for me. For good. In the name of Jesus. Therefore I rejoice. Say therefore I rejoice. In the midst of calamity I rejoice. My back is straight. 
My shoulders are lifted. My head is lifted. My redemption draws near. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, I thank you. Remember, joy from here to the end of this year, from now to the end of the year. Just be happy. Some of that money you have saved, you need to go to the mall with a few of your friends and go and buy something and be happy. Buy yourself a new dress. Hey, come on. Make sure it's an expensive one. Don't buy one stupid cheap dress. Buy something nice. Next Sunday, dress well. Let somebody wonder what's happening to you. Wear your high heel shoes. Dress up. You put on all your jewelry when you are going to church on Sunday. Let somebody ask, is it your best day? Yes, it's important. Get yourself a new suit. Wear it and look happy. Forget this joy that's just in your heart. Let it show on your face. Let it show on your face. Let it show on your attire. When the Bible talking about the garment of, of, of praise, it's a cloth. That in the old covenant, it was a cloth. Something you wore, you know, to you make yourself happy. When people were, when people were mourning, they wore sackcloth. Sackcloth. Come on, be happy. Be happy. Buy yourself a good, a good plate of food. Eat. Be joyful. That's somebody money. Do something just to be happy. A way with darkness in the heart is preventing what God wants to do in your life. Many people are sick. What is the reason? The heart is heavy. It is healing tonight. Healing tonight. Many people are recovering. Your sickness is going away. It's going away. It's going away. It's just going away. It's rolling away. Nobody's praying about sickness. It's just going away. Because the, inside your heart, the spirit of joy has come. Begin to give the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for the spirit of joy. I thank you for healing. I thank you for healing. Thank you for the spirit of joy. I thank you for healing.